Welcome to Travel Unites Us, a podcast featuring stories straight from the heart of travel. I'm Aaron Schlein, and I'll be your co-pilot on this journey. My friend Rich D'Ambrosio and I started Travel Unites Us to share the human stories from real travelers, stories that get to the heart of who they are and what they do. Rich will be your host on this episode. Be sure to check out TravelUnitesUs.com for all the latest from the Travel Unites Us community. First of all, thank you so much. I am, um, I was born and raised Catholic, but at 55 years old, I realized that I've studied the Tao Te Ching, I've studied Buddhism, I've studied Judaism, and what I realized is we, you know, it was in 2006, 2007 when I started to expand my mind where I said, oh my goodness, there are no divisions. There are no divisions. We all have pursued the same thing since time Mm -hmm. began. And as much as coronavirus separates us because it locks us into our homes and now stupid people in America want to say things like it's the Chinese coronavirus, it's it's, it's trying to divide us, but then it's also pointing out to the rest of us, no, damn it. No, we're all united. We're all united. Right, exactly. Uh, it's, it's been very unfortunate that it started here in my hometown. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like I've been telling a lot of other people, like it could have started anywhere in the world. Yes. Like, yeah, like what if it started in your hometown? Like, what would you feel? What would you say about exactly. it? Exactly. So, it was just very unfortunate that it started here. You know, Ebola started in Africa. Does that matter? No, what should matter is that we understand that populations create things through the way that they live. How about the fact that America exports war? We were the ones who started the war in Iraq, which then caused things to tumble down. That's what a lot of people are talking about. But, uh, you know, whenever I get into a debate like that, I, you know, I, I always tell people like, like, I really don't think that this is the right time. This is a good time for us to like find out where this started or to blame anybody or to blame any country for right. starting it. Like right at this moment, it's really important for us to get together and to fight against it. Yes. That's what it's, that's what is really, what, what really matters right now. Um, so I, I actually, uh, I actually watched your interview with Jeff just this morning. And I found out that you guys actually, you actually, you actually live in New York, right? Yes, I live in the Hudson Valley. I'm about 15 minutes from West Point Military Academy up I've on been the river. There. I've been there myself. Uh, I, yeah, West Point Military Academy, I went there in 2012. It was a group of my students, uh, but we weren't really allowed to tour around on foot. Right. So we were put on the, the school bus and there was a tour guide, uh, and, uh, but the kids loved it. And I still remember, uh, I still have pictures of, uh, of the place. Yeah, I absolutely love the if, place. If you can find them, if they're digital and you can find them, could mm-hmm. I see some of them? I would love to see that you visited yeah, my Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I myself have a picture, uh, you know, taken right in front of the statue. I, I, I don't remember what the statue, who the statue was. It was there's like a, a million of them. So there's, there's Eisenhower, um, Pershing, I think. Um, it matters where you were, and I can try mm-hmm. to picture it in my head. But if you send me the picture, I'll tell you who yeah, it was. I'll definitely send it to you. I'll definitely send it to you. No problem. No problem. So, so, Roger, tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me where you live approximately in Wuhan. Tell me what you do for a living. I know, but I want everybody to, to get to know you. 
what's your life like, and where you've sure. traveled, including my Hudson Valley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you already know my name. My name is Roger, but that's not really my legal name, legal Chinese <laughs> name. I have a legal Chinese name, which is E. E. Uh, yeah. So last name is Don, and I'm 32 years old. I'm, I was born and raised, I've been born and raised here in the city of Wuhan for all 32 years of my life. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, through that 32 years, I have spent approximately five years collectively away from home. So two and a half years in a small city called Wuxi that's uh, right outside of the city of Shanghai. Mm -hmm. And then another two years and a half in uh, San Diego, California. So that's where I, uh, I uh, pursued my master's degrees in education. And uh, I lived there for two and a half years with my wife. And that's also where my baby girl was born. Oh, so, so your baby yeah. girl is American. Yeah, she, uh, technically speaking, she's American, but you can't really, now that she's living with us here in China, you can't really tell the difference. She's a Chinese <laughs> citizen. Isn't that a beautiful thing? <laughs> we, named her, we named her Callie. Not oh. Cali, but Cali, so California. Right. So we want her to remember that she was born in the beautiful city of San Diego. Oh. Um, so, uh, so for the past uh, 10 years, I have been working as an educator. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not really working as a teacher right now. I'm uh, employed at this a, a big education company. We own a lot of English training schools. We own uh, a few uh, preschools here in the city of Wuhan, but also in some neighboring cities. Mm -hmm. So that's actually how I knew Jeff because Jeff started working for our company uh, a lot, lot earlier than I did. Yep. Uh, so, and my job at this company is to primarily work uh, with uh, all the foreign employees because they're uh, a very very special group of employees at this company because primarily we have Chinese employees. Right. So to hire someone like me with the experience. Uh, you know, of leaving abroad for a few years, uh, being able to speak English relatively fluently. Right. Uh, and that's how I knew Jeff. Yeah. Your English is perfect. So now Thank you. there are, there's Cantonese and Mandarin. You speak Mandarin or both? I speak Mandarin. I speak Mandarin. Yeah. So Cantonese, uh, because for people who don't really know much about China, they think uh, Cantonese is the, uh, is the main language here in China, but it's really not. Uh, it's only, it's only being used in Canton province. Right. So outside of Canton province, uh, most people, we speak, Mandarin. We speak uh, Mandarin. A buddy of mine who works for Citicorp um, about three or four years ago when my daughter, my eldest child, was going to college, um, I bumped into him. I was no longer working at American Express. He now works at Citicorp. And I said to him, I said, so, you know, Nicole's going for an engineering degree. You know, what do you think? He goes, Rich, that's great. He said, we're hiring for... We're hiring for the two M's, math and Mandarin. <laughs> math and Mandarin. All right. <laughs> because they're doing so much business in Right, China. with China. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Roger, you, you're living in a city that is, has been hard hit. I mean, New York is about an hour south of me. So where I live... You feel it. You know about it. A lot of my neighbors are police officers. They're nurses in New York City. So we, we do know of people who are on the front lines. You living in the front lines. How yes. are you doing? Is everybody in your family okay? Um, how's it been for you the last three months? Well, well thank you for asking. But uh, 
So first and foremost, uh, all of my family members, my friends, uh, we're all doing okay. Nobody has been affected. Uh, so we just have been locked inside for the past two months. Um, today's the 64th day, actually. 64, 65, I can't really tell. It's the middle of uh, January, yeah. Yeah, I live here in downtown. So because I, since I watched your conversation with Jeff, Jeff kind of explained it to you that Wuhan, we actually made up with three boroughs, three mm -hmm. different cities. So I live here in Wuhan. I live in downtown Wuhan, like, uh, you know, the city center. Um, so, uh, uh, and, um, it really started, uh, you know, you know, right now everybody's talking about it really started in a seafood market, uh, right across the Yangtze river in Hanko. Right. Uh, and that is very close from where I work, where my office is. So that's about, uh, you know, three, four Metro stops from where my office is. And I've been there a couple of times. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't buy anything there, but I've been to you know the the surrounding area a couple of times. Um, so it was really crazy that you know the, the city got locked down on the twenty third of January, right? And even on the twenty first, we are the, the the city was still throwing huge parties because it was only a few days away from the new year, you know, the traditional Chinese New Year. Yeah. So here in China, most big companies like that of ours will throw huge company parties right before Chinese New Year. And we threw ours on 21st, and I was even the host of our party. So we, our party was like 1,000 people oh my in a huge restaurant. So uh, it was really crazy. And, but by that time, we already know, we already knew about the virus. We already knew what it was, but it was still, people had no idea. Like even the medical workers had no idea how fast or how easily it could spread. Right. So the city wasn't still on a lockdown and the government was, wasn't even advising against, you know, big events like that. So, but we were very concerned. My family was very concerned and I was very concerned myself. You know, on that day, I was still coughing. I was still coughing. I had a fever. I was coughing from a cold that I got a week ago. Um, so, but still we got the party, we threw the party and then two days later, the city got locked down. Um, so it was very, you know, nobody was expecting it. Nobody knew, um, that th this was coming. Sounds just like Italy and it sounds yeah. just like America. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, what's it been like the last 60 days? I mean, uh, what's, what's the adjustment been like? How are the emotions in your family and friends? Because what I keep telling people about this whole concept that we're coming up with, Travel Unites Us, is mm -hmm. that we are going to bond, even though we cannot, even though you cannot come to San Diego right now, I can see your face, I can meet you, I can form a relationship with you that will be permanent now because we're sharing something the same. We're both locked down, you're ahead of us, and maybe there's something you can share with us to give us hope as we start heading into the darker days of our um, similar experience. Right. Um, so uh, to be honest, I haven't really been in the city of Wuhan right. uh, for the most part of the past 60 days. Uh, I only came back to Wuhan about a week, uh, a week ago, about a week, about 10 days ago, mm -hmm. uh, because on the day that the city got locked down, uh, my wife and I, our daughter, we drove out of the city. The same day the city got locked down, we drove out that morning. Mm -hmm. uh, we weren't really trying to escape the city. 
you know, like a lot of people I knew on that day, they woke up uh, seeing the messages, seeing the announcement that the city will be locking down on that day. Uh, they're just trying to escape the city, but we weren't because I promised my wife uh, very, uh, very early that we'll be spending Chinese New Year at her parents' home uh, in the city called Jingzhou. So that's about 130 miles outside of Wuhan. It's not mm -hmm. that far away. Um, so we woke up that day, we saw the messages on our phone, uh, we knew about the city is going to lock down at 10 a.m. in the morning, and my wife was like, you know what, uh, you still have a cold, and uh, the city is going to lock down, uh, we might as well just stay at home here in Wuhan. And I said, no, no, we still got to go, we already packed, you know, uh, the car is already downstairs, we have to go. And I promise you that we'll be spending Chinese New Year at your parents' home. So we left and it took us about four hours to just to get on the freeway uh, because there are like probably a million cars out there waiting to get on the freeway. So it took us about four hours to get on the freeway. And then just 30 minutes after, because that morning they only announced that this, they will only close uh, all the public transportation, train station, airports, all the public transportation, but it didn't really say anything about right. you know, private cars, the freeway. So we got on the freeway, then 30 minutes later, when after we arrived uh, at a rest stop, um, I look out from the, fr the freeway also got locked down. Um, so we were like the last group of people who escaped, the, who managed to escape the city. So we spent uh, most part of the past two months at my in-laws place. Uh, even though it's not really here in Wuhan, but it's very close. It's still in Hubei province. Uh, it's right next to Wuhan. And we also had a lot of uh, confirmed cases over there. Mm -hmm. And uh, this, uh, also there we have probably have the same kind of you know precautions or the lockdown policies here in the city of there in the city of Jingzhou. So um, um, like uh, normal families like us, we weren't really hit very hard. So the only thing that was really bothering us is like we were not allowed to go anywhere at all. We can't even, so the first few, for, for the first uh, one or two weeks, we can still go downstairs and they will still allow us to, you know, go out once every three days. So we'd have to apply for a little uh, permit right. for each household. And right. on that permit, we'd have all the family members' names on it. And every time you have to go out, you have to give that permit to the security guard, to the police officer, say, hey, I have to go out to buy some groceries so you can go out every once every three days. The French okay. are doing that now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, then, uh, and then two weeks later, we're told that uh, we can't even do that anymore. So we just have to wait for all the, for all the groceries, all the things to deliver to our door. Right. Uh, so I can still remember that on the first day, uh, two military trucks pulled into our community and just dumped like huge amount of vegetables on, on the ground. And people just went downstairs and to grab their own vegetables. That's how it started. But to be very honest, you know, as bad as everything may sound and may look on the social media and on media outlets, uh, for normal families, ordinary families like us, um, it wasn't really that bad you know we have food we have supplies and the food that we had wasn't that even that bad it just we didn't really have options right you know, we have you know the community will inform us this is what is available today we right. have radish we have lettuce we have cabbage we have pork this is what we have we have fish you want beef no we don't have any beef we have pork 
Right. So it wasn't that bad. It was, it was um, so I, I can picture that like, you know, some other places in the world probably worse than what we experienced. Uh, my parents and most of my family members, they were in Wuhan this whole time. And they were, uh, you know, mostly they were experiencing the same, even till this day. You know, we, you know, starting last week, um, we can definitely feel like it, being, it has been relaxed, relaxed up a little bit. Uh, now we're able to go out. We are, uh, you know, businesses are open, but we're still not taking any chances because right. first we still can't go back to work. And, um, and most of the other places, most of the places out there are still not open. So we're still not taking any chances. We still order things online and have them delivered to our door. We don't have those many options. And another great thing about, I wouldn't say great, but it's not too bad. It's like a lot of the foods that we had, we didn't have to pay for it. Uh, and they weren't provided by the government either. They were donated uh, wow. by people from other provinces, from other oh cities. Oh my goodness. That's beautiful. They were, they were donated to us. And they're still doing that today. They're still donating fish. They're still <laughs> donating meat to uh you know to our people here in wuhan so we're getting a lot of those foods for free does that um that's not a surprise to you because of chinese culture is it uh well i think on one hand that's culture but on the other hand it's also about like you know the political system of this country in socialist country that's how socialist country runs right right and and I'll tell you, I'm not going to get into politics on this interview. I don't want to talk about either. I don't want to talk about either. Yeah. But, you know, America's going through that big discussion right now is, is this riveting our attention to the fact that we are all interdependent and that trying to have this completely libertarian view that you've got to fend for yourself and you've got to fend for yourself, maybe that's not possible in today's world. So, mm -hmm. I, you know, there's a big... Um, existential debate going on right now, even though people may not see it that way in America, about, mm -hmm. gee, maybe I do need the other person. And maybe, I mean, I'm Christian. And, you know, there's a famous parable in the Bible where Jesus says, um, you know, if you have two coats, you give the other person one. And this whole concept of if America is a Christian nation, why are we so reluctant if we have two not to give another person one? What? Where's the Christianity right. in that? So I mean, we're, I mean, we're going I mean, through that. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I lived in America myself for a few years, and I I've known a lot of very nice people who just you know go out of their way and help other people whenever they're in need. Yes. But what happened here in China? It's really amazing that it's not just like individual people, you know, who went out their way to help other people. It's like you know the whole the whole communities, the whole city, the whole country. You know, the, everything, how everything was so, um, you know, extraordinary uh, coordinated and organized. Uh, and everybody was on the same page. It's like, you know, we have to find, we have to find a coronavirus. We have to, you know, we have to make sure that, you know, we all survive one day. Right. So I think that's really, uh, you know, that's what really amazed me in the past two, two months. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, let's talk about your travels. You you have traveled yeah. extensively, and uh, you lived in California in a beautiful city. San Diego is such a right. fun city. Um, what? How did you embark on that um, part of your life's journey? And you know, tell us a little bit about what your experiences were like, and and what you were expecting versus when you first started traveling to America. Um, what it was like in comparison to your expectations. Uh, 
to be honest, I don't really travel much, you know, uh -huh. for, for fun because I'm always broke. I can't afford traveling. <laughs> I'm always same, broke. Same here. <laughs> Two kids, one kid in college, one about to go. I'm broke. <laughs> right. To, to go back to what I was saying, what you were just saying, like, um, I made, made my first trip to the United States back in 2012. That's when I went to New York in right. uh, West Point Academy. Mm -hmm. uh, that was two years after I started work as an English teacher myself. I, I had my college major in banking and financing. Ah. So my first job out of college was in a, in a bank here in China, in the city of Wuhan. Uh, but I, I spent a year there, and I really didn't like the job. I knew it wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted for my career for the rest of my life. Right. So I quit the job, and, I, and when I was looking around, I was like, what can I do? I was like, you know, I have my major in banking and financing now that I don't want to work in a bank, so what can I do? So the only thing that I was good at at the moment was, you know, compared to most other people, is probably being able to speak in English fluently. It was like, yeah, maybe I can, you know, start working as an English teacher. So uh, two years into that English teaching job, a friend of mine who was studying at NYU at the time uh -huh. for his master's. That's my uh, alma mater. We're connected. My alma mater is NYU. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Good to know. So he reached out. And it was like, hey, Roger, what have you been up to all this time? It was like, hey, uh, I didn't tell you, but I, I, I'm now an English teacher. I'm no longer working in a bank. He was like, oh, that's great. You know what? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start this new project to bring a uh, Chinese student to the United States starting this summer. Uh -huh. It's like, you know, a lot of the Chinese students, they want to go to the United States for a college. So maybe we can just take them to the United States prior to their college and just show them around these colleges and universities. It was like, yeah, that sounds good. So uh, that's when I started working with him. And that's when I first went to the United States in 2012. Mm -hmm. uh, so after that, um, this became like a very regular thing. I do this kind of trip like two to three times a year. Mm -hmm. uh, so in 2013, winter of 2013, I went to California for the very first time. Uh, I already knew California, you know, kind of knew California from movies, from books, um, from documentaries. Uh, and prior to San Diego, I've already been to a dozen of um, cities on both coasts of the United States. Right. But the day that I went to San Diego, I was like, oh my God, yeah, this is paradise. <laughs> it is. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is paradise. I, and I was like, I wish like one day I could just live, work, study here for a couple of years. I, I don't expect to be here forever, but you know, what if I can just come here for a few years and, you know, sometime in the future? It's a gorgeous and then, city. <laughs> yeah. And then two years after that, I, I realized that, uh, you know, the job that I was doing at the time wasn't really ideal either. Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, I, I love being a teacher. I want to have a, uh, you know, a more solid background in education. I want to pursue in the master's degree in education. And I started to do some research online. It was like, yeah, I, I wish there was some, you know, I, I wish there was a good major, a good school for me, a good master's program for me somewhere out there in Southern California. And then San Diego State University popped up. They have this program called uh, Cross-Cultural Multilingual um, Education uh, for Masters. And I was like, that's perfect. That's tailor-made for me. It's in the city of San Diego. 
it's looking for international students. Um, you know, it needs people with, you know, cross-cultural multilingual background. That was me. It was like, this is tailor-made for me. And I, then I just I applied for it. I got admitted and I just went to San Diego in 2015. I spent about two, three years there. And what did you think? What was it like? It was, um, uh, you know, even till this day, you know, compared to my hometown, the city of Wuhan, I would still rather, I would still prefer to live in San Diego, <laughs> even though that I really, I don't even have any family or I don't have any family at all. Yeah. Not even like distant relative in the United States. But, uh, but, you know, after a few months, I start to feel a little bit struggling, you know, being a foreigner, uh, a foreign student living in that country because uh, I probably don't have much language barrier, but beyond language barrier, you also have like cultural barriers. Yes. That it's just, a lot of times it's really hard for you to blend in, like for you to get into, you know, local group of people to understand what they're talking about. But I still try my best. Um, some of the things that I've tried uh, during those two and a half years try to blend in is that a lot of my friends, Chinese friends, like whenever um, we're on, oh, is it disconnected again? Nope, I can hear you. I'm here. Oh, okay, sorry. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of my friends, um, they, they did some like, you know, they did some part-time jobs like, you know, Chinese tutoring. Uh, they go to like Chinese, local Chinese schools, Chinese training centers, right. because that's what we are good at. But for me, it was like I really wanted to go out of my comfort zone. I really yes. wanted to experience local culture. I really wanted to, uh, you know, feel what it's like to be a local. So um, I went to English schools in, instead of Chinese schools. Uh, I went to English first. Um, that's one of the biggest English training schools in the world. They have a branch in San Diego. Uh -huh. So I went to apply there. Uh, but obviously I, I couldn't, I couldn't become an English teacher there because, you know, English is still not my primary language, right. but I got to work as an activity leader there. So they have a lot of students from Europe, uh, from Asia as well. So they're having English classes during the day, but in the afternoons, it would be my job to take them out, you know, to all the places in, not just in San Diego, but also, you know, all the different fun places to hang out at, uh, in throughout, you know, Southern California. So, which was, you know, now in a high sign, it's like, it was a very ex amazing experience that I only spent, got to spend about two years there, but most people that I got to work with, they saw me as a local person. I even once worked as a local guide to help other foreigners who are just like me. I was helping them to know the city, to know the culture. Uh, I also volunteered at a local community college. Uh, they had a citizens, uh, U.S. citizen program for uh, refugees, uh, for all the prospective uh, American citizens. Uh, you know, they're, they're, so I was there even helping them to pass their citizens test, U.S. history, U.S. politics, all that kind of stuff, English test. Uh, so now whenever I look back, it was, it was really an amazing um, experience uh, that I can never forget in my life. Oh, thank you so much. I, you know, I love the way you just articulated that because it shows us that, yes, there are differences. Clearly, the foods that Italians eat, not, you know, not every German's going to enjoy. 
Um, I have two friends who are from right. Zimbabwe who live in Dublin, Ireland, and they have said, while we all share the same hopes and wants and dreams and many of the same philosophies about life, our cultures are different and therefore there is some separation. But yet you were able over time to immerse yourself and almost become a local. I love that. <laughs> I really tried my best. I probably wasn't really there, uh, but I really did what I could. Right. So you traveled quite a bit while you were in the United States, though. You got out from San Diego and you, you, you got around. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I was, I was working basically as a guide, as a tour guide for all the international students, not just in San Diego, but also throughout the Southern California. So I took them to LA. Uh, I even took them to San Francisco. But whenever I get a chance, my wife and I, we just love traveling. We love road trips. Uh, a lot of friends, they, they say that I was very Americanized. It was very Westernized. Uh, to a certain point, I was. I was. So we love um, road trips. So whenever we have a chance, we have like a one week, uh, two weeks, we'll just always hit the roads, uh, find, find a place to go. Uh, the longest uh, trip that we made was in um, Christmas 2017. That was four months after our daughter was born. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was also a few months after our best friend in San Diego moved to Seattle. So our best friend, he was in U.S. Navy. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and he, he was stationed in San Diego for about two years. And, you know, those Navy people, they, they, they switch places very frequently. Yep. So two years later, they move out to uh, Seattle, Washington. Not really Seattle, but it's like a little island off the coast. Um, so, and I was telling my wife, it was like, you know, so that was, I still remember like that November, I was telling my wife, it was like, hey, um, I want to take you someplace fun uh, for Christmas. Uh, so we're looking at a map and I, I told her, you know, I, you know what, I wanted to take you to Napa Valley because I myself went to Napa Valley in 2013 and I really liked it. And it's not really that far, it's still in California. So I told my wife, I really wanted to take you to, to Napa Valley. And then a week later, it was all over the news that the whole Napa Valley was burnt down in yes. the wildfire. Yes. And it was really sad. I was like, oh my God. And it was like, it was like, it was such a beautiful place. And you know, the, the people there are so nice. And I, it was like, where can we go now? And I, then we look at the map, it's like, hey, you know, we have our friend in Seattle. And Seattle is not really that far away from San Francisco. Not really, no. And it was like, <laughs> it was. <laughs> you know, I didn't know. I didn't know because it's never been that far. I never drove that far. As I didn't know, it was like, you know, West Coast, you know, it's not that long. You know, maybe we should go a little bit further, just a little bit further. We should just go to Seattle. And then we drove for about, for, we drove a week. We drove a week, you know, literally from U.S.-Mexico border to yeah. U.S.-Canada. Yep. Because on the day we left, we went to this shopping mall near the uh, U.S.-Mexico border. And then uh, where our friends live, they live very close to the U.S.-Canada border in a small town. So we have to, they, they live on an island but we have to crawl in order for us to go to Ireland, we have to go to a very small town called Burlington first. Yes. So that's, that's, that's where the border is. Yeah. So we have to go to Burlington. We have to make a turn, cross the bridge. That's how we can get onto that, their Island. Yeah. 
So yeah, so I think it was like that whole trip took us about uh, three weeks. Yeah, so we drove, <laughs> drove one week. Uh, we spent a week at our friend's house and then drove another week back home. Yeah, so it was it was amazing. Now that I can brag to people, it's like I've literally covered every mile. I've literally been to every single city on the West Coast. <laughs> I I think the longest I've driven on the California coast from San Francisco down to Monterey, which is not that far, um, and then with my mm -hmm. kids from the southern LA all the way up to the San Francisco Bay, where my brother used to live. Um, so I have not covered every mile. Mm -hmm. You you lived in this country a lot shorter than I have, and you've done more than me. <laughs> so. So yeah, you, and whenever I get a chance, I'd love to do the same again for the East Coast. Please, when you come back to New York, if you ever want to, to visit the Hudson Valley and revisit West Point Military Academy, I want to host you. I want, I want to show you uh, the rest of my Hudson River Valley here. By all means, you are so welcome um, here in New York. So to wrap I want to thank you in advance for that. I'll definitely do that. <laughs> to wrap this up, Everybody's okay in your family still today. Um, I've seen videos. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, I've seen videos, E, um, of how things are coming back to normal in Wuhan. For example, I thought I saw a video that showed that when if people want to enter a mall, they have their temperature taken. So now mm -hmm. it's like a semblance of order that's coming back. Um, are you hopeful? Do you feel hopeful that even though you're still sort of on lockdown? You're inching back towards a world where maybe one day I can welcome you at Newark Airport and take you and your beautiful daughter and your and your wife uh, up the Hudson Valley. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, you can count on. I'm gonna count on it myself. Uh, uh, to go back to what you were just saying, like last week, at the the city government had actually officially announced that the city will reopen on the 8th of April, which is okay. only less than two weeks away. Yes. And so everybody's feeling, because uh, I mean, that's one of the big things that we're going through right now in America is, okay, how long is this going to be? What's the sequence of events going to be like when, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's morbid to think about, but it's literally the, the concept of number of new cases, number of new deaths per day, and as that starts to plateau, we can start to feel like this sheltering at home is is flattening the curve. And, and mm -hmm. you know, we're all praying for that day to come sooner rather than later. Um, have you, you know, when you moved back to Wuhan, was there a different tension than being at your in-laws? And are you now starting to feel normal if there is a way to define normal? Um. It's really hard to tell right now because I work in the education industry and right. um, education industry, like I've been telling a lot of friends right now, is like education industry is really, you know, schools, training centers were really the last line of defense right. against the virus because the, the government wouldn't allow us to reopen uh, unless they can make sure that everything is perfectly safe. Right. So, um, so we, we we weren't able to get paid uh, fully last month, and this month we probably won't be paid anything at all. And uh, what I can tell is, like, you know, even though that now we're finally seeing hope 
Uh, the city will reopen. Uh, part of the city has already reopened. Uh, we want to be optimistic, but you know, like one of the biggest challenges we are going to face uh, right after we reopen is that how to help people to get back on their feet. Yes. Uh, economically, fine. You know, financially, how to get people on their feet. I can tell a lot of small business. It went bankrupt. A lot of people lost their jobs. Right. Uh, you know, even for those family who didn't have their family members, you know, killed or infected by the virus, it is still very hard for the majority of the citizens. Yeah. Um, you know, including myself, including myself, we're still we still don't know when we'll be able to open our training centers, open our schools again, uh, and before that, we can't really get paid at all. Right. And I'll tell you, that's very interesting that you say that because that is what we're starting to think about now. Um, I have friends in the tourism right. industry who are only laid off this week and they're having to go through that grieving process. They're having to think about these scary things like, you know, how do I pay for things? And, uh, you know, I, I come back to the very same thing you and I talked about at the very beginning, which is we're all the same and we're all interdependent. And if we want that main street with those little shops reopened that we enjoyed, you know, going in and purchasing something and seeing the owner, you know, we're all in this together. And, and, and even from the exactly. Hudson Valley, New York to Wuhan, China, you and I are all in this together. There's, there's just no way to dispute that fact. Um, and it is going to take us all. You and I and everybody else right now. Yep. So my friend, my newfound friend, I hope we can stay in touch over the next couple of months. And, and I do mean it. Sure. It, is a, it is a genuine open invitation. If you have the chance to get back to the New York area, you are so welcome here. Um, and I, I would love to, uh, to be able to give you a hug. One day again, we're going to be able to not actually, have actually, physical distance. I was actually in New York not that long time ago. I was uh, actually just in New York not so long ago, I was in New York last March, a year okay. from a year, yeah, just a year ago. I was in I was uh, I was in New York on a business trip, but we were uh, we were in New York and uh, we were in New Jersey and New York City. Uh, we went to Connecticut and Long Island a little bit as well. But that was well, that was I, just a I, year ago. I grew up on Long Island, and I'm going to yeah. be interviewing my second boss out of college, Jim Alcon. Jim lives in Connecticut. And we're going to be talking about um, why he did a trip to uh, Africa last year with his wife, Ellen. And it just, you know, the New York area is just full of these lovely people who, um, who will definitely embrace you again. So uh, welcome back as soon as you can. Thank you, Thank you. Roger. Thank you very much. for that lovely family of yours. You. And I can't wait to talk to you again soon, fella. Be well. Stay safe. All right. Okay. Be sure to check out TravelUnitesUs.com for all the latest from the Travel Unites Us community.